Hello, church. Um, as many of you know, I'm part of a ministry down in Ohio called Off the Wall Ministry. Um, to put it very simply, it's a discipleship ministry for um, students past 18. Uh, we've got kids that are college age all the way up till, till later in life, 30s, early 30s. Um, uh, I did it my first year right out of high school as, uh, honestly, it was just a gap year thing for me. I didn't know what I wanted to go to school for. Um, so I'm like, well, this is fairly inexpensive and close to home, so I'll do it for a year. Um, one year turned into four years, and next year it'll turn into five years that I've been involved with the ministry. Um, and I remember my first year, there was a moment for me. Um, we were sitting in class, and Travis said something. He said, um, my wife and I, we love each other deeply and, and strongly and very passionately, but that's nothing compared to, to the love Christ has for us, and that's nothing compared to how hard we want to strive strive after him. And that really was the moment for me where it kind of clicked, and I was like, okay, these, this place is for real. Um, it's not just a place where I can show up a couple days a week and say the right things. It was a place that um, was going to require me to strive after Christ in my life. And since then, it's been, a, it's been an honor and a privilege to... Um, to be under Don and Travis and Jeff and and just learn from them what it looks like to be a godly man um, and to be someone who's striving after Christ uh, wholeheartedly. Um, so I'm super excited to have Travis here. It's great to have uh, some home here um, from back in Ohio. Um, so just join me and welcome Travis up. Uh, well, thank you, Cody one of those things when I talk a lot and sometimes don't realize if it makes a difference in people's lives, but sometimes it does. Uh, well, hey guys, it's good, to, it's good to be back up in Alaska. Um, evidently, I hit it just right. Spring's actually starting. Um, sun's out, which is, which is great. Uh, well, like Cody talked about off the wall, for those of you that don't know what off the wall is, Cody did a good job of explaining it. Uh, all we simply try to do is create a place for young adults to come and learn how to love Jesus. Our mission statement is to make passionate disciples of Jesus Christ. And so what we do as a staff and as people, we let the young adults just come be part of our lives. And we teach them, we train them, we walk with them. And, and ultimately, what, what, what we're passionate about is seeing young, young people just fall in love with Jesus. Fall madly in love with Jesus and allow Him to change and transform their lives. And then whenever they, wherever they go, wherever the Lord might take them, uh, to just go and, and to make disciples. Uh, and it's been cool to watch Cody and Denton uh, just both from Ohio, and, and they've kind of grown up around us, and we're like, go, like, go, go experience the world, and, and so we sent them to Alaska, uh, <laughs> and, and it's been really good for these guys, honestly, you guys have been great for them, and it's been cool to watch both of them grow and step outside of their comfort zone, uh, and, and to be in a place that's not home, uh, and to learn how to love Jesus in a different environment, in a different circumstance, uh, so if any of you guys have any questions about Off the Wall or what we do, uh, feel free to talk to me afterwards. I've got information and brochures and stuff like that. But it's, it's been really cool. We started just real small in Ohio. And uh, this year we're launching a second location in Pennsylvania uh, where we're going to start from the ground level and, and see what God will do out there. Um, God's also opening up a really cool opportunity. We're going to buy a music store. And we're going to relocate it to the town we're in right in downtown. Uh, and we're going to take our worship track to the next level. Uh, now we're going to have a, a full-blown 
music store where we can give lessons to people in the community, where we can sell music equipment, do worship training, uh, all kinds of cool stuff. God just opens up opportunities for us to provide more avenues for discipleship in our community. Uh, so we're excited to see w- what he's going to do in that. But honestly, the reason I'm here is to talk about Jesus. Uh, and I really want to uh, share my heart about what God's been teaching me, what God's been teaching our church through the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bibles, uh, we're just going to look at uh, Philippians chapter 1. Uh, and let, me, let me pray for us and, and we'll jump in. God, as we gather together as your church, God, we invite you, we, we ask, God, that you would open up our eyes and our hearts to the truth of your scripture, that you would reveal, that you would speak. Uh, God, not just that we hear words, but we hear from you, God. We hear the, our God and our Father speaking truth into our lives. Would you prepare our hearts, prepare our minds to hear from you, to receive from you? And God, as I was thinking about just what to pray for this church, this group, this body of believers, God, I pray that they would just have the hope of Christ. God, that whatever darkness, whatever pain, whatever it is that is robbing us of our hope, God, that you would remove that, that you would help us to see past that and to see the hope and the light and the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, So God, this morning, would you make yourself known? Would you make your presence felt? And God, would you speak mightily into our lives? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Philippians chapter 1. Here's what I love about Philippians chapter 1. Paul has this really cool ministry uh, kind of encounter with the Philippians, and you can read that in Acts chapter 16. And you kind of see how the church was born, and through a series of, of ups and downs and highs and lows, the Philippian church is born with a really eclectic group of people uh, that come together to form it. And so Paul is now currently in prison, riding back to this church that, that he helped start. And in his writing, uh, he starts out in verse 3. I love this. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. Always, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And that really is the foundation of the book of Philippians. It's this partnership. And that's what I want us to understand, this partnership of the gospel, which then leads to the advancement of the gospel. And what we need to understand is that we have this union in Christ. Uh, It's a theological term, but it's really important. When we receive Christ, when we accept Christ as our Savior, we are born again, we're brought into His family, and we're children of God now. And we're united with Him, which means we're also united with one another. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, and we'll We'll throw that term out, you know, like, oh yeah, we're, we're brothers in Christ, or we're brothers and sisters in Christ, but really there's a deep unity there because of Jesus. We're one. No longer do we look out into a group of people and we see color or race or socioeconomic status or, or whatever those things are that divide us, right? In Christ, our union in Christ says we no longer have those dividing lines. We're all in Christ. That's all that matters. And we bring this diverse group of people together uh, to partner together for the gospel. And what Paul is saying, he said, Philippian church, I thank God all the time whenever I remember you. Why? Because I think about our partnership. You've been with me through thick and thin. You've never bailed on me. You've been united with Christ and with me throughout this time. We've partnered together. We've worked together. We've striven side by side together for the gospel. 
And as I sit here in prison, and I await my future death, and I don't know what's going to happen to me, I think back to you guys, and I love you guys, and I pray for you guys, and keep going, keep advancing, don't stop. Don't mourn over my situation. Rejoice in Christ. And so our union with Christ is really important. And and, and honestly, when it comes to our lives, do we understand really what Christ has done? When you think about it, do we really understand the cross and the resurrection? I think sometimes we we have this superficial idea of like, oh yeah, 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 Jesus saved me, I know, okay, what's next? And here's what I want us to understand this morning. You never graduate from the gospel. Please understand that. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm telling you, the more and more I dive into the depths of the gospel, the more and more I keep swimming down in there, I'm discovering more and more truths, and I'm like, wow, Jesus is awesome. And then just when I think Jesus is awesome, I dive deeper and deeper, and I'm like, he's even more awesome. Like, I don't understand. When does this ever end? And it doesn't. If we keep diving deeper and deeper into the gospel, we start to realize how great and awesome our God is. And we fall more deeply and madly in love with Him. And we just want to give our lives to Him. But sometimes we just stop. We read it on the surface level. We don't dive in deep. We said, okay, I kind of get that. Okay, what's next? Move on. Let me focus on my life. Let me focus on all this other stuff. Instead of just taking a step back and marveling at what Christ has done. And I love with the partnership, there's, there's this intimate bond that we have as believers. And again, I, I think we don't dive into that enough. Paul had a deep fellowship with them. He had a deep partnership. When you're partners with someone, you know someone. And what it literally means, he says, I thank God for our partnership. I thank God that, that we have this intimate bond of Christ that's deeper than anything else. Like, when you think about relationships, honestly... They're either based in one of two things outside of Christ that I see mostly. A common bond. Any Browns fans here? Okay, Cody and Denton. That's it. Yes, we have a common bond. I figured, you know, you're in Alaska, you get to pick a team. No one picked the Browns? Browns? Okay. Uh, but, but whatever that sports team is, right, you can have a common bond. You're like, you like, you, you walk into uh, maybe the bar and there's a game on and you're just there like cheering on your team and someone, some absolute strangers got the like shirt on and you just start talking and you form this bond. Uh, and because it's about a sports team, there's something common there. Uh, and so we do that all the time. We, have, we like hunting or we like fishing and so we form a bond and it's based upon a common interest, Right? Or the other thing, uh, sometimes the more damaging thing, is our relationships are based in an emotional need. Uh, We base our relationships in an emotional need. And again, that's always going to end up self-seeking, and it's always going to bring harm and damage to a relationship. Uh, But the beautiful thing is that's how the world operates, and we don't have to operate like that. We get to operate with our union in Christ, and we get an intimate bond with people. That's why I can show up to Alaska, hang out with Justin, who I haven't seen in six months or a year, and we pick right up where we left off. And some of you guys I've gotten to know a little bit, and I can show up, and I can be like, hey, how's it going? And we can just talk about what God's been doing, and we feel just as close as we've ever been. Not because we have a common interest, but because we're united together in intimate fellowship because of Jesus. 
that's the beautiful thing about the gospel. That's part of the partnership that God offers us. And then the third thing about it is there's strategic partnership, right? Like minds. We use like minds and like passions to accomplish uh, the gospel advancing, like Compassion International, right? Let's partner together. Let's use our resources. Let's use our finances to make a difference. Uh, whatever the ministry is, whatever opportunities you might have right here in Alaska or maybe some missionary that you want to support, how do you strategically partner together to advance the gospel? And that's what I really want to talk to you guys about. If you jump down to verse 12, Paul says this. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. So again, remember the picture. Paul's in prison, right? Paul's locked up. Seems like a hopeless situation. And here's what we typically do in these type of situations. Oh, that's so terrible. Poor Paul. What are we going to do? Paul's locked up. Our leader's gone. Should we just curl up in a ball and not move? Just give in? Give up? Let's just pray that God would just get, get, get Paul out of prison, right? Let's just wait. But you know what Paul says? He says, guys, guys, listen. What has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Guess what? I get to tell the people in prison about Jesus. Guess what? I can't go anywhere, which means they can't go anywhere. So I've got a captive audience. Right? How many of you guys ever want to talk to someone about Jesus, but you can't never pin them down? Well, he had these guys pinned down. Because they couldn't go anywhere. They had to guard him. They had to watch him. Uh, and so what happens, right? The gospel goes throughout the whole palace guard or the imperial guard. And people hear about Jesus that would have never heard about Jesus because Paul is in prison. So what I want you to understand, that I want to talk a little bit about adversity. And, and, and when we think about this, sometimes we think circumstances, right? Paul's circumstances. But I think adversity is actually a better word. Because I think we as people face adversity in life and we don't know what to do with it. And so adversity serves the advance of the gospel. Adversity serves the gospel. And so when you guys think about that, when you think about Paul's struggle, his adversity that he's facing, right? He's proclaiming Christ, he gets locked up, he gets thrown in prison. His world doesn't cave in. Because the gospel doesn't serve his circumstances. His circumstances serves the gospel. And so when Paul goes into prison, he goes into prison as a missionary. As Paul goes into prison, he goes in with a mindset to say, the gospel is advancing wherever I go because I have the gospel with me. So if I'm going to prison, the gospel is coming with me. If I go to the hospital, the gospel is coming with me. If I go wherever it is that my adversity or circumstances take me, the gospel is coming with me. Because whatever happens to me serves to advance the gospel. And we have to understand that. 
Adversity is the state of a serious or continued difficulty or misfortune. Continued difficulty or misfortune is part of life. It will happen. And when it happens, does it serve to advance the gospel? And when it talks about advancing the gospel, you guys, we have to understand that this world doesn't want it. This world wants itself. We're very self-centered, self-seeking people, individuals. Uh, And so when it talks about advancement, I love the word pictures that you can get from the original word. And and, and here's what they are. Uh, The word for advancement is used of armies and pioneers clearing forests. Right? Armies and pioneers clearing forests. Probably makes a lot more sense up here in Alaska. You got a lot of trees, you got to clear land, you got to get rid of forests, right? Uh, And so advancement means we're moving forward, we're cutting out anything in our way so that we can uh, advance. Um, This is a pushing forward, which means it pushes back something. So in pushing forward and advancing the gospel, which is light, we are pushing back darkness, right? You ever see a lot of darkness around you? You see a lot of darkness in your community? You see a lot of darkness everywhere. When we advance the gospel, guess what? Where there is light, there is no darkness. And so the more light that we start shining, the more light we start pushing forward, the darkness has to flee. And so if we're tired of darkness in our families, if we're tired of darkness in our communities, if we're tired of darkness in our towns, and and whatever we're at, start advancing the gospel. When we advance the gospel, darkness must flee. Circumstances are secondary to the advancement of the gospel. And here's what I want us to understand. Our confidence and joy in the gospel should never be marginalized by trials. You guys get that? Our confidence and joy in the gospel should never be marginalized by trials. Here's what typically happens in our lives. A trial comes, and I start doubting the gospel. Because life is hard, and it's not the way I expected it to go. Because my expectations define my experience, I'm not the issue God is. And so it robs me of my joy. And it keeps me from advancing the gospel. And so when it comes to your circumstances, here's here's what I want us to, 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 to get when it comes to circumstances. There is a difference between mourning your circumstances and cursing them. Do you get that? There is a difference between mourning your circumstances and cursing them. Bad stuff happens. Life is hard. There's a lot of pain. I'm not telling you, like, well, you know, you should just be happy. Right? It's sad. And there's mourning in life. It's part of life. It's part of sin. We're going to cry. We're going to hurt. We're going to grieve. That's okay. It's healthy. It's part of life. But when we start cursing our circumstances, it starts to destroy us. We curse what we have to deal with because it makes our lives harder than we want them to be. You guys get that? We curse what we have to deal with because it makes our lives harder than we want them to be. Cursing is about our comfort, our pleasure, and our ease. Cursing is fundamentally self-centered. Because I'm not saying that life is easy. Life is really hard. It's really, really hard. And we're going to have to mourn a lot in life. But don't let yourself be 
pulled into cursing your circumstances. Don't elevate whatever adversity or circumstances you face above the gospel. Keep them in their proper place and let them serve the gospel. And here's why that's really important, especially for us older people who are older. People are watching. People are watching how you handle your adversity in life. Your kids are watching. Your neighbors are watching. All those around you are watching. What are you going to do with your adversity? Are you going to use it to serve and advance the gospel? Or are people going to sit there and watch you curse it and let it consume you and destroy your life? I love what Paul says. He says, uh, my imprisonment is for Christ. Adversity is coming, but it has a purpose. It's not just this big day, like, hey guys, adversity is coming and it's going to be terrible. Good luck. See ya. Right? Uh, No, adversity is coming, but it has purpose. When Paul says, uh, my imprisonment is for Christ, uh, he talks about he's being put here, put here for Christ. That's actually a military term for assignment. And so Paul's literally saying, like, God has placed me in prison. You know, if that was me, I'd be like, God, what are you doing? Like, why are you putting me in prison? Like, I should be out there. It's a lot nicer. And, um, you know, this is kind of dreary and like a dungeon. God's like, no, I've placed you there. I've put you there to be used, right? I'm talking to Cody and Denton, and they're like, in January or February, why has God put me here? It's dark and cold and snowy. He has put you there for a reason. He has assigned you there for a purpose. And if we're so focused on why am I here instead of God, use me while I'm here. There's a big difference in how we live our lives. Paul was put there for a reason. And in the midst of that, right, it inspires confidence and boldness. He said the brothers have become more confident to proclaim the word without fear because of my imprisonment. When it comes to our situation and circumstances uh, and our adversity, that it's for Christ, we have a lady in our church named Nadine. Nadine is, she's like, she's like the faithful, you know, like she's just faithful. It's the best way to describe her. Like she, she, she's been at church her whole life, every Sunday. She never misses. She's the one that's always there, always serving, not flashy, just, just faithful, right? And so Nadine gets cancer. And Nadine has like a year to live. And she's in her 40s. She's got three kids, a couple grandkids, right? And I had someone in church come up to me. And they're just, they're just like crying, and, and they're just so broken. I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, Nadine came up to me today and wanted to know how she can pray for my kids. I'm like, yeah, so? She's got cancer. Why is she concerned about my life? I'm like, what do you think God's trying to teach you? Here's someone that has limited time to live. She's got cancer for Christ. Right? I can sit here and I can think about what awaits me, and she probably does, right? It's a natural human thing. 
But am I going to use whatever adversity that I'm facing for Christ? Guess what? I've got a deeper ministry with those women in my church now. I've got a deeper uh, example that I can have. People are listening to me now. God has given me a platform. Am I going to use it or I'm just going to let it waste away? What am I going to do with it? And I love that. It inspires boldness. It inspires other people. It inspires me. I sit down and have lunch with her. I'm like, how are you doing? And she's just like, she's still faithful. You know what I mean? Like, isn't that crazy? Like, your body is deteriorating. You're going through chemo. Like, the doctors don't give you much hope. And you're still faithful. Like, nothing changes. You know what I do? Man, God, I need to be more faithful. I'm so up and down and like something bad happens to me and it's not even close to what she's facing. And oh, what am I going to do? Man, we can inspire other people. We can encourage people with boldness because what happens to us is for Christ. Last thing adversity does, it tests the genuineness of our faith. And you guys, this is really important. Adversity tests the genuineness of our faith. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, while it is necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. One of the things Paul does is he proves his message by how much he believes. You guys get that? Like, when I read the Gospel, when I, especially when I read Paul's letters, I sit back and go, Paul really believes this. Like, he really, really believes this. He really trusts Jesus no matter what. Like, he gets this. And then I think about Paul's life. And I think about being shipwrecked, bitten by a snake, you know, done, right there, I, I'm out, you know. That's the good thing about Alaska, no snakes, right? Amen. Amen. But like, shipwrecked, beaten, you remember the one time in Acts where he was literally stoned and they thought he was dead? And his disciples like came to go have a funeral for him and all of a sudden like, Paul, are you, you're alive? Like you're moving? And he gets up and he's like, let's go back in. Like, are you crazy? What is going on with you? And, and, and so Paul Literally, through those trials, right? Through those tests, he's refined and he really knows what he believes. And oftentimes, we run away from the trials. We try to avoid the trials at all costs. But what we don't understand, those trials refine us. Those trials test us and they come to determine what's really real. Do I really believe God? Do I really trust Him? And isn't that a gracious thing of God? If I'm walking down this path and I'm thinking, okay, God, yeah, I really believe you. I've been coming to church my whole life. And God knows in my heart that that I really don't. God knows that there's a lot of junk in there, but I've just covered it up and made it look really pretty. He lets something happen to me or he puts me through a test and all of a sudden I've got to really wrestle with this. I've got to decide if I actually believe this Jesus. And I've got to decide if I really want to live for Him. And so these tests come to determine what's actually genuine inside of us. And it is a gracious thing that God does to us. And so when adversity comes, will we use it to identify maybe some of those blind spots in our lives? Or to dive deeper into the truth of the Word? To cling more closely to God? 
to fall more deeper in love with Him. Because adversity tests the genuineness of our faith. And it causes us to really check our hearts to see what we actually believe. In the midst of trials and suffering, a lot of times we find out what's really important to us, honestly. Because we'll run after this world in a heartbeat. We'll run after money, we'll run after comfort, we'll run after success. Whatever it is that we want, we'll just run hard after it. And then a trial or a circumstance comes, and guess what? We take a step back, and we have to really process and think about what's actually really important to me. What really matters in this life? Have I been pursuing things of this world that will ultimately burn? Or have I been partnering together for the Gospel to build things for eternity? And so I want to leave you with a couple things. Uh, So when things happen to us, here's, here's three things I want us to understand. So what happens to you, what happens to me, what happens to us is a Gospel opportunity first and foremost. What happens to us is a Gospel opportunity. Uh, so, for instance, uh, Don came up with me along with uh, our guy in Pennsylvania named Spencer, and they're both at, at Kenai Grace this morning. But Spencer was flying from Philadelphia, Don and I were flying from Ohio, and he was going to meet us in Chicago. Well, Spencer's plane from Philly took off into a, a storm, and uh, something called lightning kind of hit the plane. Anybody ever been in a plane where lightning hit it? Yeah, didn't think so. This is like not a common thing, evidently. Um, He said he was literally sitting there and just boom! Can you imagine? Like, I'm sitting by the window, right by the wing, and boom! You like shoot up out of the seat. You're like, we're going to die. Everyone's doing this, you know, thinking you're all going to go down. He's like looking out at the engine going, where's the smoke? When are we going to start just dipping? And evidently, like lightning hitting a plane is no big deal. But... uh, I would think it's a big deal. Spencer thought it was a big deal. Uh, And so none of us want to get on a plane and and just be like, okay, God, please let this plane be hit by lightning. That would be awesome. Like, it is not something we want to sign up for. Uh, But it gave Spencer an incredible gospel opportunity. Because after your plane gets struck by lightning and everyone on the plane thinks they're going to die, people want to talk right? And so Spencer's sitting right next to a Muslim. And he's like, it was crazy. This guy brought up faith. This guy brought up the conversation. I didn't even have to start it. He's like, we sat there for the next hour, me and him and the other guy, and we just talked about what we believed. He's like, he didn't magically convert in the moment, but like, we had this incredible conversation about faith and God, and I got to just share with him about Christ, and he shared with me this crazy mix of all kinds of religions he believed, and I tried to make sense of it, but we exchanged information, uh, and I want to stay in touch with the guy. But what happened to him in the midst of a lightning strike on a plane became a gospel opportunity because that served the gospel. And so, whatever happens to us in life, we need to first and foremost understand that it is a gospel opportunity. Life's interruptions are oftentimes God's opportunities. And we're so focused on what's next and and accomplishing stuff that we so many times miss what's right in front of us. And the other thing that keeps us from these opportunities is is sometimes the feeling of being wronged. It is the feeling of being wronged 
overcome gospel opportunities? Does the feeling of someone treating you unjustly overcome a gospel opportunity? Do you get so angry and so mad and say, how could you ever do this that you forget about the gospel? Because if you're like me, that's what happens. How could you do this to me? How could you treat me this way? How could you say these things? And so instantly I no longer want that interaction to serve the gospel. Uh, I want to control it. I want to be the one who judges and is the jury over this situation. And again, I get consumed by that. The second thing, what happens to me is for Christ. And here's what I want us to get. Life does not revolve around being happily married, raising the perfect family, making a lot of money, or being successful in your job. What happens to us does not have to be wasted. What happens to us does not have to be wasted. Oftentimes, we just throw it out. What happens to us, we just, we just get rid of it. Instead of using it for Christ having purpose in it. Adversity has a way of helping us rediscover our purpose and what really matters in life. Adversity has a, has a good way of helping us rediscover our purpose and understanding that our lives are for Christ. And the last thing, what happens to us tests your faith. What happens to me tests my faith. And I love this statement. A testimony is not without a test. You ever think about that? If you want to share what God is doing in your life, if you want to share your testimony of God with people, you can't share a testimony without a test. It's part of the Word, right? And so we're going to have tests in our life. And what the best thing about tests are is that we can come to people and share what God has taught us. We can share our experiences. We can share our adversity and give it purpose for Christ. What God has done in us, in our lives, hopefully it can help you. You can learn from the test that I went through so that you don't have to repeat it. You can learn the lesson that God taught me without having to go through maybe what I had to go through. See, our tests have a purpose so that we can share our testimony with those around us. And so here's, here's my challenge for us. And this is a tough one. Pray for character, not comfort. Pray for character, not comfort. Here's what I mean by that. Paul's in prison. And just I'm just assuming most believers, in this case, if you're the Philippian church, our first prayer is that Paul gets out of prison. Lord, free Paul from prison. Right? That's how our minds think. That's where just this American mindset goes. Comfort. Let's, God, would you just... Take the hard situation away from him and get him out of there into comfort instead of character and gospel advancement. God, would you help Paul to have the boldness and encourage him to just speak with boldness to the guard? God, would you pray that they would be transformed? God, would you do a mighty work in that prison? And God, when it is your time, would you release him and give him more opportunity? But not until you're done with him. God, I pray for Nadine who has a year to live. God, uh, would you just take the cancer away so she'll be better? Hey, I, I, that's what I want. That's what I want to pray. God, would you refine her? God, would you use Nadine's cancer to impact her family? Would you use Nadine's cancer to, to impact the doctor and the hospital? Wherever she goes, God, would you encourage her and empower her to take your gospel 
God, in the midst of doing that, in the midst of her obedience to advance your gospel, God, would you just do a miracle in her so that your name and your glory can be proclaimed? And so are we going to be people who pray that, that our character would be refined, that the gospel would go forward? Or are we always going to go back to comfort? Because I think God wants to do a lot. God wants to advance his gospel in and through you guys as a church, in and through you guys as individuals. We just need to ask him. And we need to be ready to walk through those hard times, empowered by God, proclaiming his name, and impacting your towns and your neighborhoods. Amen. Let me just pray for us. God, thank you uh, for Peninsula Grace. Thank you for these people uh, and their lives. God, I just again pray that you would help us this morning, all of us here in this room, to understand the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, whatever has happened to us individually, whatever has happened to us collectively, we've all been through pain, we've all been hurt, we've all faced lots and lots of adversity in life, but God, thank you that we walk through it with you. Thank you that we walk through it empowered by your spirit, comforted by your gospel, loved by our God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that you are the creator, the sustainer, that you hold all things in your hand. God, that we are not alone, that we are not forsaken. God, that you are with us always. And so God, help us to not walk around defeated, but help us to walk around with our head high and our hopes set on our eternal future. God, we thank you we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for your love and your salvation in Christ Jesus. Help us not to forget that. Help us to walk in it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.